the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and it is great to be together. we got a couple minutes from now. We'll get an interview from our friend, Chef Andrew Gruel. Now, he, during the pandemic, made an effort, a huge effort, to help businesses stay open, especially restaurants. I think that, well, I know that wound down. We'll check in with him on that. But he's got some other points he's making. He's he's um, he's the ultimate happy warrior. He's he, he's worried about lots of stuff. He's uh, been concerned about the lockdowns. He's always pushing hard to keep uh, businesses going. But he's a happy warrior about it. So it's great. We'll talk with him in a few moments. But before we do, we'll talk with Tim Winter. Tim Winter is the president of the um, Parents Television and Media Council used to be called the Parents Television Council. I think it's Parents and Television, Parents Television and Media Council. Uh, and uh, he, it's called PTC is what people call it. Parents, yeah, it was Parents Television Council. And he's the president there. They, they weigh in and try to protect kids uh, when it comes to media and, and especially Hollywood. Uh, they're based out in California in Burbank. Uh, and we'll talk with him. I've been looking forward to that. I have not um, had a chance to talk with him before. I certainly know of that organization that has done some great things. So it'll be interesting to see what he is uh, up to. In this case, there is something in um uh the in the um there's something going on in uh the uh state of california that will be worth checking in on some laws and some things that are being blocked so we'll do all that before we do though let's get to what you need to know what you need to know today is well the clintons are back the clintons are back you know the great clinton grift the great clinton corrupt corruption uh, the clinton global initiative that was literally the uh, funneling spot for hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign entities into america hoping to influence what they thought would be soon uh, president hillary clinton it kind of slowed down for a couple years right uh, around the time of the scandal of all these and uh, foreign entities and individuals spending money they sort of uh, back off and and didn't and mothballed it but it's back and it's back every time the un has one of their big meetings they have a clinton global initiative and the news that was breaking out was uh today was that uh Zelensky, president Zelensky, phoned in and he and bill clinton did a glowing uh interview and how great it was and all that and Zelensky made news by saying we must everybody must decide whose side they're on light and darkness and he's the side of light, and we all must get in. And there's no neutrality anymore. We have to get into the war. It's an imperative, blah, 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 on and on and on. Now, I'll put aside for a moment how outrageous I think it is at this point to, to the, the blatant uh, propaganda effort of the press and, uh, and all, you know, the establishment to uh, favor the Ukraine. I just I don't know enough of what's going on in the war, but I know they're lying about it because they lie about everything else. But that's not what you need to know. What you need to know today is that Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Global Initiative coming back into uh, public display is an indication that Biden is done. 
Now, Biden did a famous interview a few days ago in 60 Minutes where he was asked if he's going to run again, and he did the hemming and hawing that you must do under the law. Actually, I, I agree with him. I believe him when he says it. You're not allowed to say you're running because it kicks in all kinds of legal requirements and legal filings and all. So he said, you know, they said it remains to be seen. But here's the thing. The Clinton Global Initiative is ramping up as a platform for Hillary. Governor Newsom is ramping up. He's trying desperately to be the guy going toe to toe with Governor DeSantis. And all of that is a signal that Biden's history. He's toast. He's either going to I think he'll make the end of his term, but he's certainly not going to run. And I'm telling you right now, take it to the bank. Hillary Clinton is looking for a path. She's trying to identify a path to run. And it is there's no doubt about it. There will be no there there will be a free for all. There will be no way that Kamala Harris is given the sort of free pass that usually happens. And it will it will come under the um, you will start to see the articles and the coverage of her. And they'll say how she could not succeed as the candidate when she ran for president. Kamala Harris, she got almost no votes. And so in this case, what's going to say someone who has the ability to get votes needs to do this, who can do it, who's able to do it, who's ready to do it. And they're going to turn and they're going to and the Clintons are going to say us our turn. And to be frank, it's very plausible in this that they get the nomination, that Hillary get the nomination because she has hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And if she if it looks like she might end up running and might end up winning, they'll get hundreds and hundreds of uh, millions more. That will be completely uh, predicted, predictable in that it will happen. So what you need to know is all of the pieces you're seeing, the moving of the pieces is designed. And here's the real kicker. It's going to be so bad in November and the Democrats are going to lose so many places and so many races. They will have to blame someone. And the someone they will blame is Biden. They'll blame him for not being able to sell his uh, efforts. They'll blame him for not being able to communicate well. They will start to blame him for all the things that everybody else has seen, and they will pile on. So it's all a setup at this point headed towards an abysmal failure in November. And then after the failure, Hillary, Gavin Newsom, this guy, Governor Pritzker from uh, Chicago, who happens to be a uh, a multi-billionaire, uh, he and his family, I think his sister might have been uh, the ambassador to Japan or somewhere uh, under um, under uh, Barack Obama. Um, so the, the family is uh, in the uh, in the <clears throat> a hotel business the and, and real estate in Chicago, and uh, they have gazillions of dollars. So literally, they have um, billions. And so the Pritzker is hoping to run himself. He is definitely planning and he's going to be, you know, again, if you have billions, you think you know how to uh, pathway forward. And he is the governor, by the way, of uh, of the state of um, Illinois. So he has some reason to think, hey, I've got uh, some experience and all that. So that's coming. So my point here is that what you need to know is watching this and seeing even the coverage of the border, which is now landing on Biden, the incompetence of it all is landing on Biden and it will be given opportunity for the Democrats like Hillary to say at the very least, she will say, I could have done it better. Gavin Newsom will say, I could have done it better. I could have been more competent. They won't. And that will, that will be the way that they signal to the public. They're not as crazy as Joe Biden letting 2 million people in, in one calendar year. So what you need to know 
is uh, the Clinton Global Initiative is Hillary's running. Hillary's running, and so are three or four others with lots of money and lots of influence that are going to make it an absolute wild time. But again, I don't. I wouldn't argue against. I really wouldn't argue against uh, the Clintons. I just don't think you can do that. Um, they're too. Um, they're too entrenched. They have too much money, and they know the game at a high level. At a high, high level. And you know, I, I, one of the things that people say all the time. I agree with it. Epstein. You know. The list of who was on Epstein's island, and clearly we know that Bill Clinton was on the plane a bunch of times. Obviously, whoever controls uh, the intelligence in this country is able to kill that list of who was there. And I guarantee you, Bill Clinton was up to something. And so the power, my point is the power of Bill Clinton and his ability to be protected by the deep state, that's real. That's real. And this time, I don't think that if Hillary was the nominee, that they would uh, leave any stone unturned in terms of getting, you know, letting anybody have a chance to win. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be that's what you need to know uh, right uh, today. All right, we'll take a break, um, and when we come back, we'll talk with Tim Winter, and then we will also visit with our friend Chef Andrew Gould. Don't forget Gould, excuse me. Don't forget visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email. I was telling you the stories yesterday from our weekend at Eagle Council. You can go to PhyllisSchlafly.com or proamericareport.com. It kicks through and you will see some of the, uh, some of the background on people that were there. And soon we'll have the videos up from the weekend. So, uh, we will be back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Interesting interview upcoming. I've been looking forward to this for a while because I have for years uh, known well the Parents Television and Media Council. Go to ParentsTV.org is their website. It's uh, um, over the years I've known of it. And in the last couple of years, as they pick fights to try to uh, get people to behave themselves, especially when it comes to some of the really uh, raunchy programming, it's been uh, important to see them. Tim Winter is the president of the Parents Television Media Council, and he joins us now. Tim, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm well, Ed. Good day to you and your listeners from Burbank, California. Beautiful town, beautiful downtown Burbank. Yep. Yeah, and so and I, and um, now I, I, let me ask you about that. Sets up my first question. In the old days, you kind of had to be in Burbank because that's where the the players were. I mean, not not only Burbank, but right in Hollywood and and L.A. is where they made all the TV. They were making all the movies. Now they're they're making content. They may be paying for it out of a lot of the studios there and other. Southern California entities, but or California entities, including the t- tech guys, the big tech, but they're making content everywhere, right? I mean, it's a funny moment. It's like uh, you got a million targets, almost too many to focus on. Yeah, good point. The, um, the back in the day, there were you know, three major networks and four major networks, and then cable came along, and and now we have streaming. So we've gone from a a five hundred channel cable universe to an infinite, infinite number of. Uh, potential uh, outlets, entertainment yeah. outlets with streaming media, with the internet and so forth. But, but the, the lion's share of the, you know, the biggest, the biggest 800 pound gorillas, let's call it the 800 pound yeah. gorillas still all reside in California, whether it's big tech, whether it's big Hollywood, that's where uh, most of those stuff is uh, paid for greenlit. And if not produced, at least it is, uh, it is uh, paid for and greenlit and authorized by those major co- corporations. 
Uh, we're, we're talking again with uh, Tim Winter, who he- heads up. He's the president of uh, the uh, of the uh, parents. Uh, excuse me. Parents TV dot com is dot org is the website. Parents Television and Media Council. I should remind people if the mission of the organizations, like we mentioned, been around for a long time, protect children and families. And the late Phyllis Schlafly would have you know, recognized that. That's where her sweet spot was, the pro family movement from from graphic sex, violence and profanity in the media because of the proven long term harmful effects um, and uh, also provide uh, part of the vision provide a safe and sound entertainment media environment for children and families across america so uh, i, I want to get to the california law that passed uh that a few, about uh, 10 days ago two weeks ago but i want to still stay broad for a second um how hard is it to get consumers of content to realize the problem and but what i that what i mean by that is uh well i'll tell you the quick story one time someone came up to the late phyllis Schlafly and said uh, donald trump you know you're supporting him he's so coarse and with a big smile she said it's kind of a coarse culture and what she kind of meant was you know you've got to you've got to succeed where you are and an awful lot of people mean and i mean parents now accept as appropriate some of the content that just 25 years ago, you would have, Tim, had an easy time saying, hey, everybody, we have to not let this happen for our kids. Parents are sort of arguing for it, a lot of them. I mean, it's almost like the culture's gotten so coarse, it's hard to even convince the parents to to <laughs> support the Parents Television and Media Council's vision. I appreciate that question. You're, <laughs> you're, you're very astute, very insightful. Um, yes, th- that what you said is, is true. Um, and, and we are, I think what we, we can all witness and attest to, uh, the fact that, you know, the old story of the, the, the frog in the boiling kettle where the temperature yeah. goes up and doesn't really being boiled to death. Good one. That's yeah. What's happened over the last 25 years. Yeah. That's where we are. Um, when, when we try to execute our mission and we do so with, with research, with edu- public education, trying to help parents to be better parents and also grassroots advocacy, we're known, especially for our fierce advocacy. You know, we're trying to help every family in America, regardless of, of who they vote for, where they live. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you think about it, the very, very, very best parents probably don't need us as much as the children whose parents are not as involved. Yeah. We're trying to create a healthier environment for them uh, and 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 all, all children uh, across the nation. I'll get I promise I'm going to get to this California bill because I think it's important when there's even incremental steps. But uh, for one second, uh, looking at the website again, parents uh, TV dot org. Um, and I thought this one line you guys talk about, what can I do to help bring responsibility back to the entertainment industry? When I saw that, I clicked on it. There's a lot there. You can go look at it. But what I thought was, you know, and on your board is like Sam Sorbo, who is a movie star, you know, and her husband, too. And they actually produce good content. Or over the weekend, I had somebody tell me they went to see Tim Tebow and he the way he he spoke and he and they've said he was funny and interesting is part of what the change is that you have to find the good stuff to support in other words to go and say you know this is positive is that i think in the past if i think of you all i think of how you were great to come charging into the fight and say oh no you're not going to aim that at our kids right you're not going to let that happen but is part of it now to to try to help the foster the good stuff 
it's a big part of what we do. Uh, you, you know, whether whether you're um, scolding your dog for doing something it shouldn't, but then you give it a treat for something <laughs> it does well. Yeah, uh, that's the way we have to treat Hollywood. We have to treat Hollywood the same way. And yeah. and uh, whenever there's something that's positive out there, we want we want folks to to learn of it. And whether it's produced by Hollywood or by somebody in Nashville or 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 Salt Lake City or anywhere else in the country, you know, whoever is producing and and distributing something that's positive, we have to bring it live. Light, just as we uh, as we condemn uh, the darkness. Uh, we're, we're, again, we're, we're talking with uh, Tim uh, Winter and and uh, his uh, organization is the Parents Television and Media Council. If you go to ParentsTV.org, you'll see there's a lot of there there a lot more than just TV. Actually, over the years, it's had to expand, and we mentioned all this content. Okay, uh, not so long ago, last couple of weeks, we've had in California, kind of amazingly to me, because all I do, you know, we would like to wake up and think of crazy things that California lawmake California lawmakers and and policymakers do that make you shake your head. But in this case, there's a, there is a law that passed and, and Governor Newsom signed it uh, called the California Age Appropriate Design Code Act. And, and, and you guys praised it. You said, hey, look, this is a win. First of all, tell me what that was. I, I, I my understanding is that it was it's it's helping to uh, to understand how uh, younger kids are impacted. You've got to have some limits. But tell me what that is. And then tell me why there was something even better that got killed off. If you don't mind, Tim, please. Yeah, um, the the K- California Age Appropriate Design Code Act is uh, something that was intended really primarily to protect children's online privacy. I see. Um, right now, you have uh, big tech that is, I mean, big tech knows every single thing that we do. If you're on social media, it knows more about you than you could ever possibly know. And it's it's a little bit frightening. Um, but it's also something that we, as a, you know, as adults, if we have signed up to, for this stuff, you know, we're 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 sharing this stuff with them, and uh, I think we need to all be more aware of what we're sharing. When it comes to children, especially, it's very troubling that uh, marketers have access to uh, data about what children are doing, and that's what uh, it, the the law, the the positive law that was signed into uh, law by Governor Newsom here, um, was intended to do. Uh, there was a way bigger, more yeah. important, more consequential piece of legislation that should also have been signed into law. It wasn't because of what we believe is the selfish act of one state senator. You know, I, we you, you talked about the gooviness of California, and we we put up with an, a lot of nonsense for some good weather here. Um, <laughs> but 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 um, you know, one of the, one of the one of the crazy things about the way things work in Sacramento. Any piece of state legislation that goes through Sacramento has to be approved by the state Senate Appropriations Committee. And the chair, the chairman of the state Senate Appropriations Committee, single handedly, unilaterally, just decided not to allow this other piece of legislation to come before his committee. It Mm. had passed the state house. It had passed the state house 51 to zero. Okay, wow. think of California. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it, was in, yeah. it was introduced bipartisan, and, and, and what could be 51 to zero? And then it went over to the state Senate for their consideration. The Judiciary Committee approved it 8 to zero. And, and basically what this bill would have done would have held to public, publicly to account social media platforms that knowingly are crafting social media to be harmful and addictive to children. Hmm. 
There were there, there's been whistleblowers in the past that have said overly in front of Congress sworn testimony that they that the social media platforms know and they are intentionally engineering their services to be addictive to children. Right. And when you look at how uh, depression, self harm, suicide in, in teens. Uh, has spiked in recent years, even before the pandemic, even up, even before 2020. Um, the 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 if you overlay on top of that depression and suicide and self harm statistic uh, the graph chart on a graph, and overlay on top of that social media use, it's almost entirely on top of it. So we have we have irrefutable evidence showing that the social media platforms are harmful to children. That they're intentionally addictive, yeah, and that the companies know this to be true, and all we wanted to do was extend product liability, some level of product liability, mm. to the harm that these companies are, are are doing. And this one state senator, yeah, single-handedly killed well, the bill. Well, the what's bill. what's interesting about that, Tim? You know, we get down into the weeds, and then my listeners know I, I sometimes I get too far in the weeds on this. But when you increase product liability, you get some uh, uh, funny bedfellows for a conservative effort. Meaning, the trial bar, the plaintiffs' lawyers will be like, "Okay, we can sue on that." You know, we like making money off of lawsuits like that, and they suddenly say, "We don't mind a conservative idea." It's one at certain points, some of the pro-life groups have sort of figured out ways to try to do that and and create some different bedfellows. So, um, is is it your assessment? I, I'll say, I mean, I, I'm I'm happy to uh, to uh, to weigh in and say the name. It's a uh, Senator Porta, Portantino, Portantino, um, and uh, is the one who was uh, held this up. Is it your sense that it's one of these, um, you know, big tech is a, a supporter of his or or I mean, I, I, I'm not holding you to it. We're not saying it's true. We're just we're trying to guess why. And in the spirit, in the experience of politicians, there's usually somebody in the way. Is that who would have been saying shut this down? Yes. And when you when you listen, I'll, I'll be brief about this because I know we're yeah. short on time. But yeah. when, you, when you hear the story, of, when you connect a few dots, um, Senator Portantino single handedly had the ability to kill this bill. Senator Portantino, just a few days before he chose to kill this bill, yep. was invited to Napa Valley to a luxurious <sighs> Napa Valley resort and spa. There you go. Uh-huh. That was that was uh, that was held by a nonprofit organization that's supposed to educate Californians about the importance of technology and innovation. Right. What basically what it was was a wine and dine at a spa. Sure. Held by big tech, it was funded by big tech. The nonprofit is appears to be as dirty as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it, it it doesn't you know you can see who's giving to it and it's big tech and it gives access from big tech to politicians. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, if they they say they're trying to educate Californians, but they don't even have a website. All mm-hmm. they do is they have an event which allows big tech to come in front of. Uh, California lawmakers. Yeah, and so oh, oh, so one week after he went to this, he all of a sudden decides to kill this bill. Yeah, and uh, so Tim Winter again, President. Uh, I want to say thank you. We are running out of time. Parents uh, Television and Media Council, uh, Parents uh, TV dot org. You know, and and to tell our listeners, uh, Tim, you know this as well as I do, but I'll describe it. Um, sometimes you get one guy who will kill it, one legislator who will kill it, and he's doing it for everybody. And because there's a moment where you know you say to yourself, well, how, how come the others couldn't have ganged up on him? And they're sometimes they're taking the heat, and then the whole system is uh, is rotten. So I, I suspect there's some of that. But this guy, Senator Portin. 
Santino certainly deserves the uh, notoriety and the fame on this one because uh, I, and, you know, uh, I'll stop because we're running out of time. But the idea that they're not addicting the kids is insane. I mean, it's so obvious they're addicting the kids and they know it and they say it and they do it. And, um, you know, if, if we can't get our legislators to, uh, you know, to Tim, I've been I've been advocating that we ought to ban social media for anybody under the age of 18. I mean, or 16, some number. It's just crazy to allow you wouldn't. I don't let my son drive until he hits 16 and a half. I don't because a car is too difficult a tool for him to use well and safely. Well, it's pretty clear the rewiring of his brain by TikTok or somebody is not exactly uh, safe. So anyway, well, thank you, Tim Winter, Winter for the time and uh, being out there on this uh, Parents Television and Media Council, ParentsTV.org. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll put it up on social media, including that op- uh, the open letter uh, from uh, uh, Tim Winter to uh, the senator. It's a good one. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I was just uh, telling Chef Andrew Gruel off the air that uh, whenever I have him on the show, I send out uh, an email to my list and they love hearing from him for lots of reasons, uh, which I'll tell him some of. But welcome back, Chef Andrew Gruel. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. You're welcome. First question I want to ask you, because I I went out to dinner to a place I hadn't been in maybe six months, maybe eight months. And I noticed everything, every price was up. 20 to 25%. Now, I know that's got to be part of running a business, but explain to me how you sort of have to do that when you're running a business like, uh, you know, like a restaurant because of what's happening with inflation. Well, if you want to survive and pay rent, right? And (laughs) mind you, you, uh, rent is up. And I don't, you know, I don't know how people's leases landed, but for some reason, at least in, in my territory, um, leases were up over the past couple of years and lease rates went up 20 to 30%, right? So if you want to be able to continue to pay rent and prices are going up across the board, which we're seeing, right? This 8.5% inflation number, it's really 15, 20% w- on commodity products, especially retail, right. um, wholesale. So you could either have the option of A, cutting wages, which is yep. your, your one of your largest expenses, which isn't going to happen. Wages need to now increase in line with inflation or increasing your prices because the second biggest cost, of course, is your food. Your third biggest cost is your rent. And then 20% of the remaining costs are made up of electricity, uh, marketing, packaging, supplies, chemicals, et cetera. Those are all up. So increasing 15 to 20% prices on your end product usually – And in this economic scenario is actually not going to solve the problem. You've got to make even bigger changes behind the scenes, whether that's efficiency, whether that's renegotiating rent, whether that's taking out loans and eating the loss and then hoping that the interest rates are ultimately going to come down in the future. And you're going to be able to, you know, kind of pivot into a scenario where you're able to make money to pay off that gap. It's a tough economy right now, especially in an industry where you've got perishable products and you've got such razor thin margins. We're talking with uh, Andrew Gruel, uh, the chef. He's a well-known uh, chef who's he got a te- he's a television personality. He's been on the Food Network's uh, truck face-off. I remember that. And, of course, his real main gig is he's the uh, founder and runs Slapfish, which is a seafood restaurant uh, franchise. And he's great on Twitter. I'm sure people are my listeners that know him, at Chef Gruel, G-R-U-E-L. Um, so 
And I want to get to uh, a little bit more, some more specifics on what what we're, what you're worried about or what you're concerned about going forward. But um, the reality is, everybody's even still every, all these restaurants even raise your prices. You're still on a knife's edge. That's what I told somebody. It's still not. It's not good. I mean, it's not. It's not. It doesn't solve anything really. It just sort of holds it right. Correct. Now, let's just say we use the price increase as the lever by which you try and at least get from uh, two years ago to current day or maintain break even. Let's say you were breaking even before this inflationary effect, before Biden took office, and now you're losing tons of money because all these prices have increased across the board. You would need to probably increase your end product prices by upwards of 50 to 60 percent realistically right so when you're seeing people increase their prices even as high as 25 percent understand that's that's still leaving them 50 percent down from where they were before that's guaranteed i don't even need to look at anybody's books to understand that uh, again, Chef Andrew Gruel is who we're talking to. ChefGruel.com. You go to his website. One of the things I liked about uh, you, uh, Chef Gruel, was that when the pandemic hit, you spent a lot of time and energy trying to help businesses hang on through it and all. And I thought that was, um, you know, it was it was sort of your, your it's kind of your brand. You're, you're, yeah, you're running a business. Yeah, you're making good food. And, and on your Twitter feed, a lot of times you're taking pictures of the good food and all, but you're trying to make the community better. So the question I have, which is how you came to me right now, is there are talk. There is, then there are talk. There is talk. Uh, big talk about food shortages, right? And the system really being strained and people wondering, not knowing, right? So wondering what, what's the reality right now? Are you, when you sit there and you say, Hey, we got droughts, we got gas prices through the roof. uh, You know, are food shortages something we really have to be uh, thinking about? 100%. It's, it's already happening. And, you know, it's so funny because I read an article um, a couple of days ago about how it's being overblown and it's perhaps it could be even Russian propaganda. And then they point back to the uh, conservative media. And I'm quoting from the article. This might have been in the New York Times about uh, the Dutch farmer protests and how the farmers are now being forced out of work as a result of the new their new green energy bill, which is an attempt to reduce certain kind of waste emissions, et cetera, et cetera. And we've seen some clips of that, not in the mainstream media. The reality of the situation is, is that are we not only are we going to have major food shortages in the next year or two because they're delayed, right? Right. Understand that fertilizer, wheat, all of these items that are right now in short supply, that's future supply. So they haven't necessarily hit the market because we're always six to eight to 12 months behind in terms of product supply and what we're stock housing. You know, stockpiling right, right. Um, with oil. Obviously, we've talked about that in the press a lot. But the food shortages we're seeing now as a result of even supply chain disruptions exist. Just go to any grocery store and you're going to see empty shelves on, you know, at a level you've never seen before. And it's only getting worse. But you're also going to start to see major commodity food shortages. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's. It's something we probably, you know, we've experienced here in the United States, but I think it's going to be on a level that we haven't seen in a couple of decades. And frankly, I think it's going to take hold in the next six to 12 months um, because of, you know, the ripple of the global supply chain. I've talked about this for, for years that we need to really focus on our local supply chains. And everybody has countered, you know, a lot of the globalists countered with me. Well, it's so much more efficient. And if you right. love capitalism, having a global supply chain is going to decrease prices. And it's this notion of comparative advantage. Right. but these ideas and these kind of hypotheticals and theoreticals, educate, higher education, taking these theoretical perspectives on this, they don't take into consideration 
extreme situations like this where yes in a perfect world if everybody's getting along and everything is honky dory it will decrease prices and increase efficiencies to have this global supply chain especially when it comes to food but from a the, the perspective of trying to protect your own and um, um, dealing with situations like this when there's major hiccups you then are caught with your pants down and that's what's happening here in the United States I mean who would have thought that we rely on Russia and the Ukraine for so much fertilizer and wheat when we've got the heck of a, you know, kind of a terrestrial bounty to create as much food as we need here in the United States. Right. Uh, Chef Andrew Gruel is our guest at Chef Gruel on Twitter, which is a really fun Twitter feed. Uh, Andrew, excuse me, Chef dot com. Um, so we're talking with him about what he's seen. And, and you know, what's funny, what's funny to put a, a point on this. Uh, I, I'm sure I bet you do this. I bet you li- live in this world. What you're saying used to be what the Democrats or lefties would say, like, hey, let's grow local. And now conservatives like me and, and others are saying, hey, wait a second, because the system, this so-called we were promised capitalism was going to be magical and the market was going to be magical. Well, it's not magical for our own communities. And therefore, we're rethinking some of these things. So but back for one second, Chef Andrew Gruel, what do you do? What do you tell a, a, a middle class or a regular person to do now to, to hedge for themselves on food shortages? Is it is it, you know, stock up on some canned goods? Is it a, a better guard, you know, get a garden or a better garden? What, what do you say to hedge? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, right? You can't put all your eggs in one basket. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> chickens. You know, we got to so, get chickens. I, I'm, I can't. I can't talk my wife into chickens. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> hey, you know, one chicken you get four or five eggs a day. There you go. Um, but what I, what I say is, you know, kind of it's multifaceted. Number one, whenever you go to the store, pick up an extra can or two right now. Um, you know, don't stockpile in the sense of going in and buying cases upon cases, right? But just you know, picking up a can here, a can there, starting your own kind of emergency pantry. Worst case scenario. You don't need it, right? Now you've got yourself a lot of beans. Um, That's number one. Number two, freezers, right? Making sure that you've got freezers because freezing produce is actually an incredibly efficient way of getting high nutrient-dense food. Um, Frozen fruits and vegetables sometimes are even better than fresh. So that's number two. Number three, yes, start your own garden. Um, And I don't think that a garden is going to be able to feed you for years to come. But even just being able to have some hearty winter squashes that are very difficult to kill and those things grow like weeds gives you a good solid food source that will stick around for a year. If you grow some of those hardy uh, winter squashes, right? Yeah. Those and, and then you harvest them, those are good for a year, keep in mind. Right. Like you can keep those in the right space for a full year um, and they're not going to go bad. Things like, you know, there's other vegetables as well out there. And then I talk about buying in bulk. As food prices go up, buying in bulk, kind of getting together with as a co-op, either with your neighbors or finding a local restaurant or wholesale food service operation where you can piggyback on some of their bulk buying, you're able to get the food at these wholesale prices beyond your Costco's of the world. I'm talking like yeah. major, major wholesale. And then you can load up on products. Uh, uh, Chef uh, Andrew Gruel is our guest at uh, at Chef Gruel on t- uh, Twitter, uh, chefgruel.com. Um, I, you know, you, you're and even back I, I, your effort to help the people, businesses that were fighting through the lockdown, um, Chef Gruel, you have a set, you have a way of even in hard news and all of being sort of upbeat and energetic and all. I, I I really think actually on this topic of, of creating more um, food independence for families, for individuals and families is something, you know, really it could be a sweet spot for you. But let me finish by telling you, have you heard that my friend, Congressman Tom Massey, has invented a he calls it the Klux 
capacitor and it's a it's a uh, chicken coop that moves around his yard using solar power while he's away so that the chickens can feed and it's totally he's 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 uh patenting all these things so there's ways you can have your own chickens even when you're traveling or uh, i've got to get i'll get it to you you're gonna love it it's you you and he should pair up and uh and do this i don't know if you've heard about that it's extraordinary no, I have not. <laughs> Him and I have gone back and forth before about food, um, uh, but that's actually that's that's pretty awesome. That that reminds me that that sounds very similar to an innovative uh, approach to aquaculture, where you actually have these spheres of fish yeah, that are right, I mean, right, that come in with the tide, yeah. and you just go out and you tether a feed boat to them, and effectively they're wild fish, but they're just contained in this yeah. massive sphere. Well, here's I'll I'll forward this tweet to you. Massey says, and I've seen the, all the things. I have a robotic chicken tractor running in the front yard right now. With with 18 meat birds in it. I use cheap Chinese timer relays for the brains. Anyway, I'll, it's the Klux Capacitor he calls it. It's pretty cool. All right, Chef Andrew Gruel, thank you for being out there and being such a voice, both uh, uh, with energy and uh, joy, if I can say, but also the ra- reality of what's going on. It's an important issue, set of issues. Appreciate you very much. So thank you, sir. Thank you for having me, as always. Good talking okay, with you. Okay, good talking with you. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. I'll put it all up on social media, all those links to his stuff. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. U.S. Supreme Court Associate Justice Louis Brandeis first coined the descriptor of state governments as laboratories of democracy in 1932 when he wrote, quote, a single courageous state may, if its citizens choose, serve as a laboratory and try novel social and economic experiments without risk to the rest of the country, end quote. Justice Brandeis' analogy crystallizes our founding fathers' love of decentralized government as a means to keep representation close to we the people. These founding fathers knew all too well that governance by far-off monarchical powers does not yield the best results. Yet, as the state of Kansas grapples with the shocking outcome of a state referendum on abortion, an interesting point must be made about the influence of mega-donors muddling in the affairs of other states. The Kansas Supreme Court laughably declared that the state's constitution from the mid-1800s included a provision protecting abortion, even though it clearly didn't. Pro-lifers in Kansas responded by putting the Value Them Both amendment on the ballot, to clarify that no such abortion protection existed. Even in the pro-life state of Kansas, this measure failed by around 20 percentage points. How could this be? A closer look reveals that this laboratory of democracy was heavily influenced by out-of-state donors. The pro-abortion side got 71% of their funds from out-of-state. By comparison, the pro-life side got 99% of their funding from Kansans. That's a huge difference. While conservatives can and should decry this awful blow to the voice of Kansas voters, there's still an upside to this situation. Remember that it's only because the Supreme Court overturned Roe that this fight took place at all. If the Supreme Court hadn't acted, abortionists would have many more millions in their war chest to dole out to pro-abortion candidates. I hope conservatives continue to campaign for life until every dollar of dirty abortion money is drained. And the life-affirming voice of We the People is heard in every state in the land. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. 
At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, winding things down. A quick wrap-up on a few subjects. Um, You know, uh, you can tell um, that we're getting close to an election just six weeks away because there are suddenly stories like the one that ran in Politico on the last two days. The title is Why We May Not Know Who Won the Senate on Election Day. And the subtitle is Some of the Same Issues with state law that caused the 2020 election results to drag out are still in play. Then you read the article. It's not the state law that drags out things. It's the fact that we haven't made our election systems able to be audited and transparent in such a way that there's going to be delays in mail ballots, mailed ballots that are coming from one place and things that are coming in another. And you know what? The tr- it is true. We have not done enough. Not enough at all to make sure that the system got better run. Even if you believe the system was better, it was okay in 2020. And there are lots of people that think there was problems. What we know is we didn't change much. I mean, in some states they did. I got to give credit. You know, in certain states, Texas and even in Arizona, they tried. But generally, election authorities believed that they did a great job. And they don't like to criticize. It's very hard to have somebody say, you go to somebody and say, hey, th- how would you think the elections went? You were in charge. It was your job. You had three and a half years to get ready for it. How'd you do? It takes a lot of courage and a lot of something that's not common in, in sort of elected official life, which is a sort of self-assessment that is honest, brutally honest. It takes a lot for somebody to say, yeah, the system is really very, very uh, lacking in transparency. It's hard to hold it accountable. And uh, what are we going to do? People don't do that. So now the articles are coming out and they're saying, oh, boy, it may take a long time. It may be delayed. And, you know, remember, it's a, you're, you're a clear and present danger. You're a threat to the republic if you question elections. But they're setting us up. They're priming us to understand that the elections are going to be a mess. That's what they're telling us because nothing has really changed. Oh, it should make you worry. It should make you worry. If you're able to do it, go volunteer at a polling place and be an election judge. I will be doing that. All right, we got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producer. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.